This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today's topic is when financial disaster strikes. Now, with me today, I have financial planner Byron Palsma. Morning, Byron. Good morning, Mary. Um, you know, in our area, I guess our neck of the woods right now, people are very aware of some of the disaster that's been happening around our communities in Iowa, Nebraska, South Dakota. But not everyone listening to this podcast or a radio show is going to be aware of what's happened. And through kind of a confluence of events, there has been um, snowpack melting, rainfall, dams breaking, flooding happening. And we've seen billions and billions of dollars worth of damage in the Midwest as a result of some of these natural disasters that are happening in our community. Yeah, there's some areas that are really, really hard hit. And and there's been everything from loss of life to loss of livestock, property damage. It's been... It's been a major, major disaster. It really has. And it's so heartbreaking to see the pictures and to hear the stories of, like you said, people, animals, property, things like that. And so we thought we would do a show to talk a little bit about when financial disaster strikes, because financial disaster has struck close to home. And um, this isn't something that is isolated in the Midwest. Financial disaster strikes people on a fairly regular basis. So it happens, you know, in earthquakes. It happens with tsunamis. It happens with floods and hurricanes and tornadoes and things like that, um, fires. And, And when those kind of things happen, not only is there a massive emotional toll with it, but there's the financial toll and then the recovery period. Right. That's right. And, and uh, it can be anything from loss of business, loss of job. Uh, very, very difficult for people. Yep. So there's really kind of four categories that we looked at in terms of financial disasters that we're going to talk about this morning. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about preparation ahead of time to minimize a disaster if it happens. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about what to do after it's happened if you weren't as fully prepared as, you know, maybe you, you could have been or wish you would have been. Right. <laughs> so the first thing that I want to talk about is um, major property loss. So when someone has a property loss, like I said, this can come in, in many forms or can have many causes. Um, but property loss could be things like your home itself. It could be your vehicle. It could be your livestock, which is part of your business. It could be your business in your office and things like that. So property loss can is a pretty broad term, I That's guess I right. would say. Yes. So one of the things that I can definitely say about all of these um, losses is that emergency savings is definitely a cornerstone of your financial wellness. So the more emergency money you have set aside, the more you're going to be able to weather these kind of events in your life. That being said, insurance is also an idea of how to protect yourself ahead of time. That's right. Right. Um, But... After the fact, neither one of those things are terribly comforting. (laughs) And after the fact, it's so important to have some supportive groups, family, friends, community organizations to help you through the event in your life because they're going to not only help probably with donations and, you know, potentially even some financial community help, but also the emotional side of things. 
Right, and it's heartwarming to hear stories of how people are coming to the aid of other people. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes that's reciprocal. Sometimes certain areas have the problems and other areas come and, come and help out, and then it can happen in the reverse, too. Right. So let's talk a little bit about flooding in particular, because that's what our community is dealing with right now. Um, I have a personal history and background with having gone through some major flooding. Back in 2011, we had a massive flood in our area. And my home um, sits kind of in between two rivers. So if one river isn't going to get you, the other one might. And um, I guess I knew that when I bought my home, but there hadn't been flooding in the area for a long time. In fact, when I bought my home, I was told it's not in a floodplain. <laughs> I've yeah. come to learn differently since then. <laughs> and, and you hear the phrase like a 500-year flood or something right. like that. Well, here's our fifth, 500th year. So, yes, yeah. exactly. It just keeps kind of happening. So I, I, the other thing I didn't understand when I, you know, first started having homeowner's insurance was that homeowner's insurance does not necessarily cover certain things. So floods is not something that most homeowners policies actually cover. Sewer backup, which can be caused by flooding in a community, is frequently not covered by a homeowner's insurance policy. And neither is mold or mold abatement. And if your home floods or is flooded for a period of time, it kind of becomes a hotbed for mold, right? Right. And so now you have the flood itself, the sewer backup, and the mold not covered by your homeowner's insurance. So you can start to see why people have financial disasters happen, especially when a flood happens. And I think that one of the key things you said there is understanding what coverage you had. And I think it's Mm -hmm. important when you're working with your insurance agent to continually ask, what if? Right. What if this happens? What if this happens? To have a good understanding of, of what you can insure and what you are not able to insure. So one of the preparedness um, suggestions that we have is asking those questions, is understanding what your policy covers. Does it cover flood? Does it cover sewer backup? Does it cover mold abatement, termite damage, earthquakes, wind damage from hurricanes? Those are things that are frequently not covered inside of a homeowner's policy. And if you find out that you're not covered, then you might want to find out if there's another way to cover it. Right. For instance, you can take out flood coverage that is uh, outside of your normal homeowner's policy, but you can't take it out after a flood event has already started. (laughs) You have to do it well before. Right. The actual date of a flood event, which is typically um, set by FEMA. And then FEMA is going to go back and look at the actual date that the problem started, which is going to be different than the date that you might have gotten flooded. Right. So be aware of that. It's not something you can do last minute. Now, if you experience a property loss, um, it generally is going to mean that you're going to have a lot of -of out-of-pocket cost. So um, back in 2011, I had to evacuate my home. I had to evacuate my office, and we were actually out of those places for four to six months, out of the office for four months and out of my home for about six months. And during that time, the property was vacant, and it was burglarized, my home was, which was just like adding insult to injury. (laughs) You hear, you hear the phrase, Mary, parade of horribles, and it sounds yes. like you saw that parade. <laughs> we certainly did. 
And the other thing was that because it was vacant, you know, things were happening to the property, so there wasn't upkeep and, you know, the the yard around it was damaged and things like that. So there was all kinds of things that had to be done to fix not only the flooding damage in the house, but the yard damage. And then not to mention the expenses to live outside of my home for that period of time. So all in, by the time everything was said and done, I had an out-of-pocket cost of about $75,000 from the 2011 flood event. Now, I can look at that and say, wow, that was huge. And for some people, that might be an unrecoverable amount. Fortunately, I was able to recover from it, and I had protective measures in place. Being a financial planner, that is one thing that I guess I can say that now I know. (laughs) And take some of those measures. But that's a big number. Yes. And so when we look at the current flooding event that's happening, there's a lot of people that have that amount of damage and much more. We've seen entire towns submerged in water. We've seen people evacuated from homes and water be going up to, you know, their second floor of their home. Um, Towns that are still not able to be accessed by strong roads. Tell tell right. us about your daughter's experience. Right. Our daughter lives in north central uh, Nebraska, mm-hmm. and up there they had a river uh, dam actually break. Mm-hmm. And it wiped out part of the highway, and, and uh, this town that she works in part-time, uh, it still isn't back to having regular water. And she works so in no a, drinkable water. No drinkable water, mm-hmm. that's right. And so they have to drink bottled water, et cetera. She works in, a, like I said, a dental office. And they haven't been open since this mm-hmm. flood occurred. And it may be a little while before they are. Yep. So rough deal. So think about that then as a business owner. You have a business that's clicking along and, and doing well. And all of a sudden you have this type of an event. Not only might it affect your home, but it could fundamentally just close your business for quite a period of time. That's right. So the ramifications of this on home and businesses are just astounding. So let's say that you have had a major property loss and you are going to have a big out-of-pocket expense. Nothing can be done about it now. It just is what the situation is. So what is it that you can do? The first step that I would recommend is that you look to find if there's some longer-term options to pay off this unexpected expense. So there could be ways to um, take no interest payments on credit cards that are for an extended period of time. Now, nobody wants to rack up credit card debt. (laughs) But if that's your only option, then looking for something that has a no interest availability on it is really going to at least keep your costs down so you're not adding interest cost to the expense itself that you've had from the natural disaster. Yep, and there are a lot of offers that are out there, and some of them extend even as long as 18 months. So mm-hmm. think about it as as this is my payment plan over 18 months. I'm going to get it done so I don't incur that interest after the 18th month. Right. Or if you still have a balance after the 18th month, then you want to look for another offer and roll it to a new one with no charges for the interest right and you can play that game for quite some time if you're on top of it but the minute that you don't 
stay on top of it, then all of a sudden your interest is likely to jack up to a crazy rate. Right. And you're going to want to avoid that if you can. So while we definitely don't advise holding excessive credit card debt, it is a way to help yourself recover from a financial disaster that was beyond what you might have ever expected. Another way to um, account for that is to look at your own 401k plan. Um, 401k loans or hardship provisions are there for this type of thing. And so um, you can kind of look at your 401k loan, although it would have interest, as something that you're paying yourself back the interest. And if I'm going to have to pick who I'm paying interest to, I'd rather be myself than some bank or credit card company. That's right. It's good to be a bank, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like being your own bank. <laughs> so your 401k, tapping into that, again, it's not the best solution in the world, but it is a solution if you're kind of teetering on the brink of financial disaster. And then the last place that you might want to consider accessing money would be inside of a life insurance policy if it has some cash value. And having access to those funds might temporarily diminish the insurance benefit, Depends on the policy that you have, but at least you might have access to some money to help you get back on your feet in a time of need. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today our hearts are going out to those affected by the massive flooding in the Midwest. And so we're dedicating this show to you. Um, and talking about when financial disaster strikes, so what to do preventative ahead of time. And we've talked about some things to consider doing if you've had a loss in order to help yourself get back on your feet. The next area, Mary, we want to talk about is uh, what happens when a serious illness or an, or an accident occurs. Sure. And, and, you know, I think this one can affect you in multiple ways, too. Not only is there a cost for the recovery of everything, but it might put you in a position where you can't work and earn money like you're normally used to earning. That's right. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a double whammy. It is. It is. And one of the one of the uh, biggest expenses that folks have is health insurance. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, often health insurance is attached to your work, uh, which which is good. Sometimes you can get better rates through a mm-hmm. group like that. However, if you don't have that job anymore then you have an issue. Right. So if your disaster creates a scenario where you no longer are working, then you would want to investigate what's called COBRA insurance. So many group plans, group health insurance plans, have one of two options. They either have something called state continuation or they have something called COBRA. And basically, in a nutshell, both of those options are extending your group health insurance for a period of time after you're no longer working for that company. State continuation is usually around nine months, and COBRA is usually around 18 months. So you would want to investigate what your company's option is and then figure out if you want to take that option. Right. But losing your health insurance at a vulnerable time in your life might be something that you don't want to add to the issue. Absolutely. (laughs) Now, preventative measures then would be thinking in terms of 
do you have disability insurance? So if an accident or an illness puts you in a position where you're disabled and can no longer work, then you might be able to have some disability coverage. Now, many companies offer that, but if you are a high wage earner and your company doesn't offer it, you might want to consider ahead of time having some disability coverage on your own. Right. And and one thing as far as when you're working with a company, make sure that you understand the benefits. Yes. Uh, and one being disability income insurance. Uh, possibly it may pay something, but it might be 60%. And then you need to ask yourself, can we? how are we going to survive on that 60% of income? Mm-hmm. And uh, so one thing you can do is maybe get a supplemental private policy that can add on top of that. Since, you're, you know, since your work disability insurance is covering a good core of your income loss, that supplemental policy may not be all that expensive. Yeah, that's a very good point. So you can layer coverages on top of each other. Now, the the thing about it that you want to, I guess, consider is we, we insure our cars, we insure our homes, and many of us insure our lives with life insurance. But disability coverage, disability insurance is kind of like that redheaded stepchild that people forget about, don't right. really want to deal with. They, you know, they aren't really, it isn't something they want to spend money on, things like that. But if you look at your assets, you know, you're willing to insure your car, which could be a value of anywhere from 20000 to $100,000. But why would you be unwilling to ensure your earning power? So your ability to earn wages, I would say, is probably the biggest asset you actually have. And so it's kind of counterintuitive that people don't want to cover their wages with an insurance coverage, but they are willing to insure their car. Right. <laughs> and I think we have some sort of a, you know, I'm I'm unbreakable kind yes, of an attitude Yes, an invincibility complex. Too, mm-hmm. This is not going to happen to me. Unfortunately, yep. it can. Yes, and it comes out of left field and out of the blue a lot of the time. So, and in the last piece of this that I guess I just want to say is if you have a serious illness or an accident, you know, things ahead of time that you can do are making sure that your life insurance is in place. Because if something happens to you, not only are people um, emotionally devastated at the loss of you, your loved ones are going to have a very hard time with that. But if you've been a major earner in the household, then the loss of your income creates a financial disaster for those that you leave behind. Right. And that is something that life insurance is designed to help protect against. And I'm sure in your years of uh, being in the financial industry, not many people have come to Mary and wanted to talk about life insurance or anxious to talk it's about It's definitely life. not people's favorite topic. <laughs> That's right. But on the other hand, too, you have to think of it's not about yourself. It's about right. the people, your loved ones. Yes. And you need to, you need to keep that in mind. Now, another financial disaster that sometimes hits people is having a big pay cut. So we get used to living within our means. Some people live outside of their means. But if you're used to living within your means and all of a sudden something happens and you have a significant pay cut, that can create a semblance of a financial disaster too. So if that happens, then your response to it really needs to be scrutinizing your budget understanding what your money is being spent on to figure out where you can trim things, how you can pull back and determine what your new lifestyle is going to look like in the new regime of this less income. Right. And and we recently had a government shutdown and that mm-hmm. was that was hard for people. For a lot of people. Yes. 
Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think it was eye-opening to consider, oh, what would I do if I missed a few paychecks? Too many Americans live paycheck to paycheck and don't really have that emergency fund set aside. And so I can't stress the importance enough from a preventative standpoint of having those emergency dollars intact because it's there to protect you when when things like this happen in life. Right. And it's money that you want to have, which is going to be very accessible. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have any penalties for taking it out. So we use the phrase, it's liquid, mm-hmm. uh, liquid money that you can get to easily. Yep. Now, I guess I just want to kind of conclude with a couple of comments on these types of disasters. You know, some people feel like they've had a huge financial disaster. And the word huge is going to depend on somebody's situation. A huge financial issue for somebody might be a few hundred dollars for a car repair, and they just don't have the ability to come up with that. Huge to somebody else might mean they lost their home in a flood completely. Huge to somebody else might mean that their entire herd of livestock was lost or all their grain from last year in their bins was lost. That's like having somebody tell you, I'm going to go take back all your paychecks from last year. Right. <laughs> that happens in our agricultural community. Yes. So these the, the, the definition of huge is personal. But whenever you do have a huge unexpected loss or a huge unexpected expense, the very first thing you have to do is try to relax for a minute and reevaluate the situation. Responding from a place of panic is not going to get you anywhere. And for most people, it's not an absolute immediate need to figure everything out. For most of the time when there is a big disaster, there is at least a little bit of time to breathe and figure out your recovery strategy. Right. So relax, reevaluate your situation, and figure out what steps you need to proactively take to try to get back on your feet. Right. It's not going to necessarily be an easy road. But by and large, there's usually a road that can be found. Right. And and it's, you know, something obviously you'll never want to go through again, but it'll probably help you be more prepared for that. And it, in order to reevaluate your situation and, and, and maybe you'll become more money savvy as a result. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I know that's not the intent of it to have that sort of benefit come from it, but it could happen. Yes. And, and I think that happened a lot around here after the flood of 2011. People were thinking, oh, I, I realize now where I had kind of some blinders on. I won't let that happen to myself a second time. Um, but nevertheless, to all of those listening that have been affected by these this recent flooding, uh, our hearts go out to you. Our prayers are with you. And um, we hope that this has been valuable information as you are on your road to recovery. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. Views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.